Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. It's Saturday, August 27th, 2022. I'm Doug. Joining me again today is Dr. Bill. Hello. Bill, how's it going? Tired of talking yet? Yeah, we talked way too much. <laughs> we did the pre-show. Pre-show. Which means we talked about whatever we were doing this week. Yeah, it's too long. We need to not spend so much time doing this. It's all the stuff we can't put public on the show. <laughs> yeah, we could, but I, no one'd be interested. Who wants to hear us talk about our crap? Yeah, my washer. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't talk about my new washer. Is it good? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. like it? It's a speed queen. Speed queen. Oh, there was something I need to look at. Oh, never mind. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, this week, uh, um, we're going to start, we're going to kick off with Omni, the uh, old uh, 1994 magazine. July 1994, Cosmic Conspiracy Part 4 Omni Magazine. Um, so uh, tell me about that. Well, the big thing that they seem to be covering, so the part four of six covers the 1970s UFO research. And they talk about Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, CAUS, C-A-U-S, which their website is no longer active. You know, what is this? Is, uh, 94 to now is like 220 years, 30, 20, 24 how long is yeah. that? 30 years? Yeah. And uh, they cannot find any current information on the organization. So they were one of these comp- places that was using the courts and uh, freedom of infra- information to get UFO documents released to the public. And one of the things that they were trying to do was to get video, uh, not video, it was 16 millimeter film shot by Ralph Maher, who used to be an ABC Network's top documentary filmmaker, who filmed a UFO over Miami Bay in July 1952. And we'll, we'll have more information on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another group called Ground Saucer Watch, which is also now defunct, wrote the CIA demanding information on the Maher film. And Maher, according to a couple articles that I have that he wrote, he consulted for NICAP until 1957, and then he was no longer um, involved with UFOs. And I think that might be because he was visited by, uh, he called them men in black. Actually, he calls them, he says they were CIA agents that came to him and shut down a half-hour documentary that he was going to release on a tv station that he worked for yeah that was at the end of the article right yeah yeah and i found another article i did i send that to you i found two articles uh one of them is actually a book chapter by him and of course i can't find anything one of them is a book chapter and he here's the book chapter he self-published a book called The Last Newsreel, and chapter two is the UFO, the CIA, and Men in Black. And I didn't buy the book, because I, I bought enough UFO books. I have a UFO you library. Never, you yes. can never have enough yes. UFO books, Bill. But if you go into um, Amazon in Canada, not in the US, but you go into Amazon in Canada, you can read chapter one and chapter two of his book online. And so what I did is I just extracted uh, chapter two and uh, he goes into detail about his experience with this filming this um, this UFO in 1952. So his he says his film was turned over through military channels to and was supposedly transferred to the Air Force. And he documents that he documents the people and everything. I mean the officers that he was involved with. And, yeah, we're talking about the article or the well, this you t- sent me, right? Yeah, yeah. Are we and going this, into that so this now? is the cosmic conspiracy. Um, in Omni, oh, we're not was, going into the actual document. Yeah, we will. Right? We can, but okay. what the cosmic conspiracy was focusing on freedom of information acts and the whole thing that this little article in these Omni articles 
they were trying to get information about this film that he shot. And the ground saucer watch contacted the CIA saying, uh, we know you have a copy of the film. Uh, we would like to see that. Uh, Meyer was involved with UFOs until 1957, and it's not clear if that's when he was no longer involved with him after the CIA visited him or not. Um, the Ground Saucer Watch was informed that the CIA was not involved with, this is from the Omni article, was not involved with UFOs since 1953 and declared that UFOs were a public relations problem and not a um, you know national security problem. Yep. The CIA then released two documents with 70% blacked out and referred to three other documents to the Ground Saucer Watch. This is in, in the 70s. Ground Saucer Watch sued in federal court for release of these documents. The CIA then provided 900 pages of documents. And I think that's the documents that we see in the... Uh, What's the org organization published a book? We have, I've read it, you've read it. Um, uh, MUFON. Yeah. MUFON published a book and somebody went through all the CIA documents and talked about, you know, all the UFO stuff from this release. And I think this is the release that they're working from. So Ground Saucer Watch had 30 days to identify and contest, contest the deletions. And then there, of course, their lawyer filed one day late, which is like a, a you know, you, you can't do that as a lawyer. So there was something wrong with the lawyer. Uh, you cannot file late. If you file late, you're just, it's over. And they're done. they're done. So they filed late. The case was dismissed. I find it interesting. The CIA was formed right after Roswell. And then it seems that from the CIA, the MIB men in black allegedly was, was part of the CIA. It's kind of like a long string of happenings that go on after Roswell that, and then the CIA of course is still today, still around and this uh, seems to be more powerful than the government, you know, like the president can't even tell him what to do. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's there. We're seeing that now with some, with supposedly with the CIA and the FBI that they're sort of somebody's running the show, but who knows? Um, oh, and then they said, um, well, OSS became the CIA and men in black is like, there's something else. This, the Meyer, Maher, Ralph Maher says that, um, he was visited by, he called them men in black, but he says they were, they were CIA guys. Now there's a, uh, men in black book that uh, i was reading and men in black visited uh, some people in england and these were like the weird men in black guys you know in a suit and they seem to sort of be off yeah the long face yeah and there's just like they don't seem to act quite normal well it's interesting because the roswell episode because we're going to go over the final verdict episode too they also refer marcel and the others referred to the um, men in black as CIA. They looked like men in black in the video. Well, they made yeah. the video. Yeah. And then, but they called them CIA. So there's, well, seems to be a definite tie, but it could there's be, a, there's, you know. The original men in black were probably CIA, but then it sort of morphed into these quasi mythological weirdos. Yeah. Weird, yeah. The weird people, they don't seem to act normal. Like the book I was reading, they're saying the guy seemed off or something. Yeah, and then uh, Koss Citizens Against UFO Secrecy also caused another seven to eight thousand documents to be released by the government. Uh, Air Force, Coast Guard, Navy, Defense Intelligence Agency, NORAD, FAA, others. Um, Koss's Koss's document release revealed October, November, September. 1975 sightings of UFOs over Minutemen silos in September and in September and in a counter in September 1976 by an Imperial Iranian Air Force jet, which achieved radar lock followed by electronic weapons systems failure. And that's a very you know, sort of famous event yeah. that you can find a lot of information about online. Uh, Kaus then Kaus 
then sued the National Security Agency in, in December 1979, which admitted to having 57 documents about UFOs. NSA refused to release the documents under the national security concerns, and the Supreme Court refused to hear an appeal on the release of the do documents in March 1982. So every known document was not turned over to, to Koss. Uh, the whole premise of this article is sort of talking about going after freedom of information, using the Freedom of Information Act to get information from the government. And the Black Vault, which is a guy that, that does that to try and get information on UFOs and stuff, does that consistently. The guy does a great job. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about a thing he did talking about Elizondo's Inspector yeah. General report. There's a couple. Of, so what I did is I went back and in 1982 by an ex executive order of the POTUS, which is president of the United States, which at the time was um, Ronald Reagan. He, si he signed and or and his staff created a change to the Freedom of Information Act. And so I went and I looked at the um, change, the, the changes that the executive order had created, and a couple interesting things popped out. So one of these changes was an agency may, or agency may, once they receive a Freedom of Information Act, the information may then be classified or reclassified after an agency has received a request for it under the Freedom of Information Act. Wow. So they can reclassify it. So yeah. it changes. The clock starts over with yeah. being able to see it. So oh, if it's an weird. unclassified document, they can look at it and say, oh, no, we're not releasing this. And it's just like, then it's, you know, or they can read whatever says it, this cannot yeah. be released. So they can arbitrarily decide not to release a document for any reason whatsoever. Well, that does suck, but I understand why they do that. Because well, it's like, oh, another shit, part, they, another, you know, another this interesting. Is, this is worse than we thought it was. We better not let this out. Well, <laughs> another part of that is, is, is in this executive order is that an agency shall refuse to confirm or deny the existence or non-existence of requested information whenever the fact of its existence or non-existence is itself classifiable under this order it's not complicated yeah so you can <laughs> you can you can you don't even have to you can you can arbitrarily classify a document and then you can arbitrarily then once it's classified you can say that the document doesn't no no such documents exist so we talk yeah. about we talk about you know the government hiding things these two things just make it absolutely trivial for the government to hide documents and they it's also bears, got hmm? bears mentioning with the omni magazine i mean we mention this every time we mention omni but that i surmise that they shut the magazine down because they were letting loose too much information about this type of thing mm -hmm. and also um i we know it's probably we don't know that it's not the case it may not be the case we went through all the reasoning why it should still be around but seems rather suspicious it, it is all of a sudden right after this the magazine vaporized very very shortly after this within a year i think yeah. but the um yeah. the the woman who was running it which was the wife of the guccioni i think she died and that wasn't a big problem but then they shut it down and i think i i calculated that they were bringing in about two million a month can you imagine any yeah. business bringing in two million dollars that's just raw revenue yeah in that year and i don't know what their production costs are which i don't know anything about pr printed things but it seems like that'd be enough to main keep the the magazine solvent yes. so it yeah it it's weird yeah but and that's kind of why we're talking one of the other reasons we're talking about this that it's bizarre that this type of information comes out and you dredged it up i mean it, obviously anybody can get it but yeah and a lot of people talk about the fact that this is also something strange 
that happened. There's another alleged, you know, kind of a cover up. If it is, we don't, we don't it, really know. It, who knows? Who knows what's going on? But I thought it was interesting these changes under President Reagan to the uh, Freedom of Information Act, and we talk about you know the Roswell cover up or cover up of other incidents, and you know, before this executive order came about they would have to say yeah we got documents on this topic now they can just decide to say no so if you yeah. you submit an f a freedom of information act to the um you know whatever agency and say i want all information you have in roswell they can say okay this is classified and then we don't even have to say that it exists and they can come back and they say we have no documents legally legitimately they can come back and say we have no documents on this topic even though they yeah. might have a warehouse full of this stuff yeah. and they also under this order they also eliminated time and cost limits which they well, there was restrictions so that they couldn't like uh say yeah we got information but it's going to cost you a million dollars to get it from us so yeah. now they can do that per page they still yeah. charge you but it's per page or something it's not that expensive well they charge you for the search too Oh, really? Yeah. What's the search fee? Do you know? I don't know. The guy at the Black Vault has mentioned cost a few times. Usually it's not. Um, it's I've done a I did a Freedom of Information Act thing recently for something else. And it was trivial. It was just I just needed a I needed some information on some equipment and um, on manufacturing date, et cetera, or whatever. And they didn't charge me anything for it. So I, I sent it to the right agency and the, the FO, FOIA person at this agency just like found the document and just emailed it to me. And there was like no charge. But when you file it, you have to say how much you're willing to pay. And um, I, I can't remember what it was. I, I said like 20 bucks or so. I'm willing to pay 20 bucks for, for the search and the, the thing. Because I knew it was just whatever the information I wanted was just, you know, a couple couple things i just needed a manufacturing yeah. date and things like that and they sent it to me no you know i got it within a week and it was um no charge i mean it, they probably just had to go into the computer on a file and pull pull a thing and copy it and email it to me it was nothing yeah yeah but one of the things that came out was interesting from this uh omni article that they were coming after was this ralph meyer film which i hadn't heard about so and that's the book chapter that yep. pulled from you know his book on Amazon Canada, which you could look at the chapter without having to buy the book. And I should say yeah. Ralph Myers in his nineties now, if he's still alive. I don't know if he is. Um, yeah, but he um, he was a he was drafted into the Marine Corps, and he was a Marine combat cameraman in um, Opelika, Florida, at the Third Marine Air Wing. Yeah, and 50, in 52. In 52, June 29th, 1952, is a PFC. And there was a UFO sightings in Miami at the time. And I, I went and I looked at the archive of the Miami Herald, and, and they I did find an article about UFO sightings at this time, but I didn't want to pay to have it. It's like the internet is the information superhighway if you got the money. Yeah. But it did show that there was an article at the time in the Miami Herald about UFO sightings at this, you know, this month in 1952. So he was saying there was a guy that, uh, that saw UFO and in the newspapers at the time, they used to publish people's addresses. So he went over to the guy's apartment and it's, uh, Mr. Gold. Yeah. He had Gold's. a house on a canal near the beach. Yeah. And well, it depends. Cause I, the other article that he wrote a few months later in 1954, a few years later in 1954, um, Mayher said it was an apartment, so it was an apartment on a canal. And why did he? Why did he change his story? Why I don't know. What's well, it's a mystery. That's weird. It's a mystery. That's it odd. is weird. All the details change. The details. I'm looking right at it. The details. The details are important. Are you looking at I proved flying saucers are real article. Yeah, and it says the UFO flew over the home and hovered there before so, flying off. That's when he. That well, you go ahead. You go well, anyway, that. so he. Um, it's a great story. So Agreed. since he was, oh yeah, they're both good stories. So since he was, uh, he had seen the articles and the big flap of UFO sightings over Washington, D.C. around the same time, 
And the thing that he thought of with this uh, the UFO flap over DC was the UFOs kept coming back. So he's like, okay, I'm going to take the. And he wanted he his motivation for this was because the local newspaper or news station said that they would pay anybody fifty bucks for pictures of the UFO. So he yep. took the film camera from the base, went out to um, Mr. Goldstein's house, home, nice home on a canal near the beach. Uh, in the other article, he says it's an apartment, and um, he. Uh, talk to the guy, and the guy's like, yeah, hey, welcome to hang out. And apparently they hung out in the guy's backyard. And um, the previous night, the UFO had showed up at 9, and at 9.30 that night, the UFO showed up, and he filmed it with his 16-millimeter camera. So after that point, what did he do? He... Well, he had the camera. He had the camera with a poor yeah. view. Go ahead. Yeah, and he the mentions... poor viewfinder, and oh, he yeah. took video, the yeah, movie yeah. of it, and it was only in a couple of frames because he had... the thing was going. They well later on they as they There's... enhanced the twenty five hundred miles an hour and yeah I've seen three different yeah. speed estimates, but it was fast. It was Mi- just yeah fast. a mile away. Yeah, and he's lucky he got any. I mean, he's lucky that he got that good of you know well, video at all. Well, I don't, one of the things he, he mentioned in the other article, he says it's, and you, you see this with cameras and we talked about it. If you got your cell phone and you go out there and you try to take a picture of like a plane or anything in the sky yeah. and you see it with your eye, it looks fantastic. But once you put it on a camera, it's tiny. That's and he weird. says, he says, this like was that. the same problem with the, with this camera. One, it was trying to get the, the, you know, camera on the target. And the other ones, once they got the, um, the shot. He said he shot uh, 40 feet of film, and I think it was in uh, six, four to six frames that were clean. And he actually has a copy in this other article of the, the frames. I think it actually shows four frames. Yeah, he's got it in one, two, three, four, five, maybe six frames. One, two, three, four, five, six. He's, the other article, he actually kept a, um, uh, I guess a, a contact print from the film of the frames that had the UFO. He kept it, so it's in this article that I have here. His other well, article. Then he he asked for copies of it later, and then they said they didn't have it. Of course, yeah, but, but he was he, he yeah. was he was working with the TV the um, TV TV station. They had TV then, so the TV station they had. Um, he he got the film. He got the shot. And he didn't know what to do with it. And so he went to, um, he actually says these were clean shots. They're better than Navy released fighter pilot gun camera footage. So he got the shot. So he went to his boss at the base and he was asking them uh, what they should do. So he got 50 feet of film. He got the duty officer. He got the duty officer. Duty he didn't officer. think any planes were scrambled or anything like that. Yeah. And then he reported to the, he was ordered to report the next morning. He was, uh, the, the film was taken by Lieutenant Aldridge that night. So, oh, he called he, that night. He called the, the, the base and he said, um, I've just shot film of a UFO. And he talked to the duty officer, Lieutenant Aldridge. And the, the, uh, Duty officer said, stay in the apartment. I'll be there shortly. So he came over about two hours later. Um, the duty officer showed up armed and made him give him the film, give him the camera. Oh, is this in another article? This is in the other article. Yeah, he's got oh, a lot weird. of details about the these two articles uh, really put bizarre. a compelling picture together. So the next morning, he had to go to the public information office, and he was interviewed by three Marine officers, two captains and a major. And every, every morning paper carried a front-page story. And he said the officers were skeptical. I tried to look up these uh, newspaper articles, but it's, you know, it's, it's hit or miss. And I did find one on the uh, Miami Herald, which is still, in, in, uh, still being published and has an archive. And the other newspaper is long gone. And I think if you needed to actually look at these archives, you'd have to go to a microfiche at one of the li- yeah. libraries down in, in Miami. 
He did interview three pilots. He also. did. He did. He talks about that. And so the next morning, he so that was that's the collect. So he's he does a really good job of sort of sort of um, structuring his experience. There was multiple pilots and multiple planes saw an object at, you know, at the same time. Yeah, there was a PBY pilot, and yep. then I won't give the names, but there was a co pilot. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. These other... guys are long gone. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting that mm. he was able to. Sure, it's, they're all long gone. They're all yeah. dead. But I mean, it's the 2,000 foot out, out altitude. The two yeah. other PB4s, PB4, uh, PBYs, they're those seaplanes. Yeah, they got a good they're picture. A, good picture of yeah. one of those in the other article with the pilots. Yeah, so it, it was interesting. They had witnesses. Good witnesses. Cooperating the story. That gave a decent altitude. Uh, the pilots were saying at 2,000 feet, the cloud cover was at 3,000 feet. And there were some people that reported seeing the flying saucer going to cloud, clouds, passing through a cloud. Yeah. So you could you can put the, the altitude between two and 3,000 feet, which is a great thing. Because that later, excuse me, later on in the um, other article, he sent a copy of the pictures this frame these six frames that he has of the ufo to a professor of physics assistant professor of physics at the local university and the guy actually did a calculation of the um uh, speed of the object and that that guy came up with um i can't remember it was like 2500 miles an hour 20 yeah it was 2500 2500 miles an hour but it's it's interesting in the um oh so this couple, this guy came up with seventy-five, fifty miles per hour, is a, and then the other thing is uh, twenty-five hundred. In the article, they had it reanalyzed at a later date, and they came up with twenty-five hundred. Yeah. So in the newer article that he wrote in his book, and the uh, professor also said the saucer could not have been traveling at this high speed for this while, three statue said it was in view i don't know what that is apparently it came late into traveling blah 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 this apparent change in shape of the objects during the flight indicates that it is not a flying saucer at all this was the guy wrote but a natural phenomena which science has yet to explain and then there's a comment that i can't read at my copy here it says it changed in each frame, it, like it was breathing, almost like it was breathing. Each frame that he actually did get out of the four to six frames, that yeah. it changed slightly in each frame as they developed it. So that's probably well, well. When you look at the picture, I mean, it's just like, um, is it is it? If I look at the picture, the five six frames, you can see it's. I don't know which way this is moving. It's traveling you know, away from him. Are you looking at it? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I just have the. I sent you the. I sent you the article. I sent it to you. Yeah. Um, I sent you the link, but the uh, six frames. It's the size is changing, and it looks pretty consistent between each frame as far as the shape. I don't know if this is right side up or or upside down. I can't tell. So, but the, um, if it's moving really fast, it might, the blurring that they do when you really blow this thing up, cause it's like, it's 16 millimeter film, which is 16 millimeter across. And this is the UFO, the photo of the UFO is a millimeter, maybe in yeah. size. So it's, a, it's a small, small thing. And the blow up is just, you know, a little blur. But the sizes that I'm, the pictures that I'm seeing from the, the UFO are consistent. I mean, it does change shape slightly. I think what people were more finding fascinating when they saw this was the color changes. And this isn't like, I mean, we saw, you and I have seen meteors. And it's not like the two or three seconds that the meteor just like goes through and, and you know, gives off different colors and then disappears. People were seeing this for minutes at a time, over two days. So, yeah. so anyway, so he goes, he, he's had to go to the office of the, uh, the, was interviewed by two different officers. And then the, uh, they said, we got to get this de developed. So they went to the, um, lab, which was next to the TV station, WTVJ, 
and um, they did a test developing originally and nothing came up. So then the guy's like, okay, let's, that was the first 10 feet of film and there's nothing there. And he's like, one of the, the major, he was there with the major and two captains and the major just like got pissed off and left. And the, the two captains yeah. are still there. And then he throws in, uh, then he goes to the guy developing the film. He goes, um, he goes, he go put it in for triple development time. Because this was at this is at night they were filming this and this thing was um, a glowing object a glowing object that was that was changing color as it traveled through the air and to, a meteor a meteorite is not going to appear two nights in a row in exactly the same area exactly That's exactly not, you're not going to see that so they ran it triple time through the development process and uh, then they got the frames. But it was funny. I like the major storming out of the room. Uh, Damn. So the two marine cap, mar remaining marine captains could be explained one word. He called it incredible. We stopped the movie on one frame and compared a still photograph, which Norman Bean, this is a guy that was working at the TV station, was a UFO guy and was putting together um, information on UFOs. And he says the pictures were identical. So it was, you know, it's a saucer shaped object. Uh, so those objects were uh, newspapers distorted. He's got a nice picture of a couple of the pilots next to their PBY planes. I love those planes. Yeah, they are cool. Uh, yeah. And um Navy Flyers. Have you been out? You've been out to the uh, air base in Alameda where, near where we grew up. Oh, yeah. That was a big um, uh, air, air, air boat, yeah. air boat, what do you call it? Yeah. Flying boat thing. If, yeah. you go, if you go out to where the, uh, the old tarmac where the boats would come in, they have the uh, they have the the apron where they park the boats, and then they have all all these ramps that go into the bay for the boats to just come up and ride up onto the the thing. It's really, yeah. really huge. I mean, it's a yeah. huge tarmac. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. I mean, it's a it's a cool place. Uh, and then he uh, he talks about that. What did he do? 2,000 foot. So this is the old article. And this article just says that the, the, he shot the movie, a little more details about sort of the, the officers and stuff he had to deal with. And the newer article, he actually lays out the different people that handled the film. Now this, this, you know, this is the, this is the reason that the, um, these UFO organizations were trying to get the CIA and uh, Project Blue Book to release this film because it just it disappeared into the void. So yeah. they developed the camera film, uh, made it in the newspapers, which is the Miami Day Daily News, which is gone, and the Miami Herald, which is still there. And you can go online and you can look at uh, you know, if you want to pay for it, you can get the original articles about the UFOs in 1952. And then he says, my little story is a perfect example of how government entities can disappear inconvenient information. He said he wrote... He filed the official report of the... I don't know if you've gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. On July 31st. Yep, yep. And the, um, with the commanding officer of the 3rd Marine Air Wing, Wing Colonel T.G. Ennis. Ennis. Also was a man named Douglas from the Office of Naval Intelligence from Key West. And... Um, Who was quite A young. younger guy. He was, was a quite, younger guy. Uh, well, quite often yeah. these uh, sort of the, like the CIA and these different organizations, they will assign a person a rank. And it, the rank is usually high so that people will listen to him. Yeah. So this guy, I don't know if this guy is genuine or not, but the, 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 guy, naval, the guy from the Office of Naval Intelligence, you, know, you don't necessarily know if he was really from the Office of Naval Intelligence. He could have just been a... Um, like a CIA agent, they said, okay, we're going to make you a major yes. and we're going to give you the creds and you're going to go down, you're going to go over here and you're going to talk to this guy. So, yeah. Um, and then they, they took the, the film and he actually documented the, uh, the sort of the trajectory of this film. So as yeah. I see the search files, oh, then they, they did searches in 1954 and they said, we don't know anything about your, your film. Yeah. So he says the commander of the base turned my film over to the U.S. Air Force. Um, 
on August 1, 1952, the USAF Director of Intelligence was notified in writing of the transmittal of the on that date. It was signed by William J. Fraser, Major USA Air Force Intelligence Officer. Transmittal was noted on August 4, 1959, memo from our commanding officer to the Commandant of the Marine Corps, item number nine in the memo. So there's so there's a there is a um, so he must have gotten some documents from the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, the film turned over Major Fraser, forwarded to proper Air Force authorities, and then it disappeared. He said that he had um, uh, lots of opportunities to talk about this, including Life Magazine, which was a huge deal at the time. But is he saying he had copies of these things of the of the he pictures? He does. He's got copies of the. Uh, he so kept he kept a print of the six frames. Is that what you got? That's what I got is here. That why we have it? That's okay. why it's here. Yeah. So you can't the film. The film would be valuable for direct analysis, but he kept a contact print of the six frames, which is smart. Probably the yeah. you know, of, and it's I mean. So it's something. And then they enlarged them 42 times, and it's just basically a blur. But this, the blur does have a distinct shape. And I would say the shape is similar to the shape that um, the guy that saw the original flying saucers in Washington. Yeah. So it hints at sort of that, I don't know what you would call that, crescent shape. Yeah. And, of course, I'm blanking on the name of the... Uh, original saucer guy arnold is the yeah. guy well yeah the crescent shape He's the crescent shape yeah so this hints at a crescent crescent shape so he um that's it so he he well, so the c well later on in 57 CIA. like that yeah the cia yeah. comes calling he was working at kyw tv in cleveland Yes, and they yep, and he was going to be. Um, they were going to put on a little show down there. He had a about. There was a local guy. They called him a paper hanger. You know what a paper hanger is? No, what's that? Well, I thought hanger. a paper hanger was a forger. Yeah, so I had to look well, at a, a paper hanger. Uh, in the tr a paper hanger is someone who hangs wallpaper. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, is but, yeah, yeah so I'm it's going, he's a, a forger. Yeah, I'm going. He's a he's a forger. They're dealing with a forger. <laughs> Uh, so this guy saw a, uh, this guy, Olden Moore, saw a UFO. And he in said his he, field. In his field. In, in the field. Credible witness. Pretty good story. Followed up. They didn't, you know, they're doing the full news follow-up. Geiger counters with, uh, could get, detect uh, residual radiation. And a car parked, exhibited mild deteriorated radiation. He says he examined the field and he took a plaster cast of uh, impressions from some cleat marks. Looked like three cleat marks, like you would have in football. Um, yeah, I don't cleats. know. If, I don't know if it was the the whole the the cleat. It was like a giant cleat mark, or it was like yeah. like the you know how the cleats you would leave you'd step on them and they would leave like different patterns. Yeah, they leave the holes in it like a three. They're like a three or four. Yeah, so I don't know cleat if that, mark pattern. I'm not sure if he's just saying it's just one of the holes or it's like a cleat, like a shoe cleat, but large. So I don't yeah. know. And he says that the he had the cast for years and it got destroyed in a flood in his basement, of course. Yeah, of course it did. Um <laughs> I don't know how much I don't know how much value that would have anyway. Yeah. In a plaster cast well, he did say he took whatever. the took the plaster cast and took it to a um Case University at Cleveland for them to look at it and the only thing they could see is that it did have it was slightly radioactive with the decaying with decay yeah. whatever that means it's uh, kind of weird that all these things are radio you know these there's a lot radiation and there's stories of if you get too close to the a ufo people are getting really sick yeah you, you know yeah. it's bizarre that you know it puts off this type of from the exterior it puts off this type of radiation yet the inside, apparently, if it is manned or whatever's in there, um, doesn't well, get harmed. Well, or is like you said, maybe in the future we're hardened. We we're, we yeah we don't we're hardened. We don't yeah. we don't get it. We don't get affected by radiation. So it's weird. Yeah, and then uh, this guy that saw the UFO disappeared. 
after two interviews and he, um, the neighbors say he went to Washington and he was rumored that he was never seen again. He says, I don't, go know if I don't know it if it's in Korea true. or Washington. He go to Washington. Or the Korea. neighbors went to, the neighbors said more, the guy that saw the UFO went to Washington. When, um, I should say that Maher was being, um, the base he was on was contacted to see if, um, see if he would be interviewed like by life magazine and the base told reporters that um he was in korea they just said he's gone he says he's not here right. yeah they just told the the they were like um like life magazine wanted to interview him and i guess other people wanted to talk other news organizations wanted to talk to him and the base was just going it's gone we sent him to korea uh, yeah he's gone. gone now it's gone but he wasn't he was still at the base <laughs> so um then he then so this guy they saw you know up in cleveland the guy saw a ufo the guy disappeared and then he he tried to do the same thing that he did in miami is go back to the site to see if they could see the ufo again and then there was like some weird things were happening on the field with flares and stuff and they said well we're just getting out of here yeah so then the fun part happens so him and the the station's news director came up with the idea they're going to do a documentary on this. And then he says the, uh, and then the hammer from Big Brother came down. Two yeah. guys showed up. One said his name was John Hazen and he was from the CIA. I was convinced that they were for real. Uh, they interviewed me and asked if I had any pictures or stills that I was going to talk about on the documentary. So they had the obligatory long coats and hats. Yeah. And longer right. faces. Yes. The longer men, faces. Men in black. Um, he asked if we were planning on using stills for my Miami photograph. I said, yes, I was really cocky in those days and didn't take crap from anybody. Just like any young Marine corporal should be. I told him that I thought his being in my office playing the intimidation game was great. And then he says, I said, we have one hell of a story in that the CIA is interested in something I did in 1952. I'm thrilled. I'm obligated to you guys, and I can't thank you enough. You've just made our new show authentic. They didn't care for my response. The CIA guys yeah. said, we don't think there should be a show. And we've already scheduled a program and have lined up advertisers, I said. They smiled that infamous corporate smug raising of the lips and said, by the way, Corporal Maher, you're still active reserve. We canceled yeah. the story. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. Yeah. Uh, ruin your life. Yes. You know, that's how we can. We're going to activate you and then we're going to send you somewhere exciting and painful. <laughs> Cool, great story. Yeah, it's good. good yeah, story. we've got the. Uh, let's move. We're kind of we're running. We're burning daylight. We better. We got the Roswell final verdict episode two, which will probably wrap it up for this week, and then we yeah, will. We yeah. got more stuff to keep moving on. Everything. So we've got uh, facial recognition. Um, you know, and then we had the second saucer sighting from. Uh, that was about forty miles away. In, and, uh, intact they, intact slicer sighting instead of a debris field yeah and it had uh beans apparently i mean there beans. was gordon anderson was the kid who uh he ran up with his uncle and his dad up on the second site which had um the uh four um alien entities on it the typical you know with the big eyes and the head and the small yep. mouths and um it's stated one was alive i mean they've the fact that he saw it they with He's, the facial recognition i would say proved but they showed yeah it's, that it was true so it's so he he's yeah he was saying he was five years old he was his, his uncle and his dad yeah okay and he um he said he saw one of them actually move so then they they interviewed him again separately about the one that's alive. And then that one was proven. Is that the one that was proven false? Oh, he I kind don't... of embellished that uh... part of it. Yeah, you they they were... embellished about... one Wait, part of what it. What about his... Uh, AI says true. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they uh, did they say yeah. they said true and false for one of the things. The body was true. The movement. he did say okay. They said he yeah. They said it was true that he saw bodies, and it was false that he saw it move. Yeah. Okay, and I'm not sure. Five years old. It's like yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's not a great witness because of his age. I'm sure it made a huge impression on him when he saw it. So the as far as the the moving, I could easily see a little kid thinking he saw something move and just remembering it that way, even if he didn't didn't. So that might if this is a valid sort of technique for judging people's story, then yeah, I can go with that. And then there was um, a civil engineer, Barney Barnett. Yep, and he also ran across the. Yeah, he had the friend Vern yep. T. Who Vern, was interviewed. Vern Malta. Vern, I'd say Vern. Vern. I'd say Vern. I'd say T. Because, and about the bodies, and then that because Barney stated that he saw the spacecraft and the. Now, now Barney's gone, and this is his friend. They're they're looking Vern. at. Yeah, Barney Vern. is Vern. Barney was the witness, and his friend Vern is the one who is. Vern, 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 Vern T. Vern. I put T because it's true. Okay. It came up true with facial rack. Keep saying for Vern T, but I put T for true. True. So they're you saying know, they're saying that note. his friend was telling the truth. Um. Yeah. Then they had a firefighter who he saw that a couple of bodies. Um, Dwyer. His name was Dwyer, and he ran across a couple of bodies and. Uh, his claim that he saw it. I mean, these things where the secondary person, four bodies, four foot tall yeah. with big heads. Yeah, I mean, the problem I have with interviewing the people that have Barney Bar Barney. talked. Yeah, the people that have talked to the other people. You know, they're the secondary people, like the actual person that saw it. Yeah, and then you're talking to the person who got the story, and it's true. Well, it's true based on what they saw, what they heard from the other person, but they're not yeah. first-hand witness. But then uh, you can't. So the you the have to ver verac that. The veracity is not. You, yeah, you got to be careful because they're they're they were told something by somebody. Well, they believe them, which is they believe their friend was telling the truth. Yeah, I yeah. mean that it really doesn't have. Honestly, when they do that, it has no validity to me in the in the in the case of roswell well they because... do this they do this in court of law it's called um what do they call it secondhand i forget what the term is the legal term but you can't you have to have primary witnesses you can't have secondhand information is not admissible yeah. in a court of law so exactly, exactly for this reason because you could have why. yeah you could have somebody say yeah you know i did this and they could have just been you know telling stories yeah, or so the, I don't. Yeah. I, I discount any of those because you know. I mean, they're making a deal about it. And they to make the show, they have to do it because the other people are dead. Yeah. So, like we always say, most of them are dead. So they're all dead. <laughs> we can we can't really talk to anybody. But they had Marcel out there, and he talked to that. They, they had video of him discussing the debris field and discussing what it was. Yeah, I was. That and was, he came out true. It was a great. Yeah. That was a great video. Yeah, I'd like to see the original footage on that they're, they're pulling yeah. they pull stuff in from different sites and um uh, but yeah i'd like to see some of the original stuff but it's um the show is i mean i like the show it's good I mean, yeah it's a good show. yeah i think it's they're they're laying out the information in a nice straightforward way and then they throw in the ai stuff which sort of like makes it a little cooler and then they interview people that uh are you know that go that is remarkable you've well this will change in, this will change everything you've been involved in court cases do they use this technology in court no, cases it's not legal you can't lie detectors so, uh, there's it doesn't apply it's not uh it's, it's so regular lie detectors not just to say i is not no admissible. lie detectors are not considered uh valid there it's lie detectors are an intimidation device yeah and the whole whole premise behind lie detectors is uh to force a confession yeah so you're you're taking this thing that doesn't really show you anything other than you're nervous 
And then you said, why are you so, you know, and the lie detector says you're lying. And, uh, you go, oh, no, they caught me in a lie. They know the truth. And, you know, it's basically, it's, it's a, it's a, a theatrical device to force confessions. It's an intimidation. Have you ever taken a, have no. you ever taken a lie detector no. test? No. I have. They don't work. Yeah. <laughs> Did you lie on your lie detector test? And then the, um, yeah, it's an intimidation device. And it's just like, it, for in the case that you took it, it was probably a liability device. Because yeah. the company is probably going, okay, we need to, uh, we got sued because of this. And uh, we hired somebody that had done something. So now we have to, um, we're going to do this to, to, you know, their lawyers said, you, you need to do this for liability reasons. Mine if, was a pre-employment. Mine was pre-employment. wasn't yeah. anything to do with that. But yeah, but it, it's it was just it's, interesting because I was all freaked out about it, and it was like, it's you know, it's just, you it's, just stare at a dot on the wall and don't really think about what think about doing. anything. All all it is is it's just if you're nervous, it's just like, why are you so nervous? I mean, it's like any other test though. If somebody wants to hire you and the test doesn't turn out exactly the way they want, they're going to hire you anyway. It's just a formality. Yeah. Back, this was way back in the day. This wasn't recent. Well, this you can way, also. Way quite often you can tell when someone's sort of demeanor changes when you pressure them. Yeah. And I saw this recently, and I'll talk about this next week. Is there was Elizondo was interviewed by this guy from the black vault. And he specifically was asking him questions about the leak of the uh, UFO videos. And if you watch that video, uh, Lou Elizondo's demeanor changed dramatically and he got really nervous. And it's like, oh, okay. And it, it it comes out later, and you can see it in the um, the thing we'll talk about next week with the uh, UFO lie by the New York Post and the Black Vault IG report stuff, which I don't want to do this. I'm not slamming uh, Lou Elizondo. He's done a good thing. And he's sort of peripheral to the whole story that the Black Vault and the uh, New York Post are talking about. But it looks like Lou Elizondo, and there's evidence for this, gave Chris Mellon these UFO videos. And then Chris Mellon took these UFO videos and released them to the New York Times. It's the Tic Tac videos? These three videos, the three videos that yeah, were, were that. So yeah. the problem is uh, these videos were, were not classified, but they were not authorized for public release. So th that can lead to, I think it, the only thing it leads to is like embarrassment. And Chris Mellon is, we'll talk about it more next week, but Chris Mellon is essentially, Chris Mellon is, is bulletproof because he's, he's part of the, the, you know, old Yankee money. He's like Elizabeth yeah. clean. They're all, they're old Yankee money. That's families go back, you know, their wealth goes back, you know, a hundred years or something. And they're virtually, they can, Chris Mellon can do anything, just about. I mean, he was, I mean, the guy was assistant secretary of defense for something. And it's like, the, you know, you look at that and you go, yeah, he was assistant secretary of defense. You know, how does, how does somebody get a job like that? Well, you know, you're an old, old Yankee family with a lot of connections. Yeah. You walk it's into it. Good, it's, it's the good old boys club. Oh yeah. And he's, yeah. and, and Chris Mellon could get away with releasing these documents. No one's going to do anything to him. What are they going to do? I mean, as long as he doesn't want to go back to work at the Pentagon, uh, he's got yeah. more money than, you know, whoever. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't affect his life. Uh, but Lou Elizondo, it could cause problems for him. He could lose his security yeah. clearance, which he wants to keep, keep, which I don't know why he wants to keep it. Um, he's got his pension, probably. Yeah, the pension is secondary. Affected. Yeah, I mean, that's the big deal is that they can come at, he can't collect it. Apparently, he can't get his pension yet until he hits the right age. But yeah. they can come after his pension, so that's they that. Disqualify. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So that's that's I think the reason that he is nervous. Um, as far as passing those videos off to Chris Mellon, that's probably okay to do that. But then Chris Mellon released the videos, and like I said, the fallback is not going to hit Chris Mellon. It's going to hit Elizondo if there's there's pushback on that. Yep. So that's why Elizondo is nervous about this stuff. Is it's because he's, you know, he will be the if they want to take action on the release of these videos, he's the fall guy. 
And Mellon, even though he released the videos, he's bulletproof. I mean, what are they going to do to him? They go, oh, we're going to, we're not going to give you, uh, we're going to revo revoke your security clearance. Well, I mean, he's, he's part of the old uh, Yankee network and, you know, his life will go on and nothing will change. So more on the Roswell story. What do we got? The um, black hole. The black hole. Oh, well, no. Do Are we done with the Roswell AI stuff? I got more pages. You, can, you got more? Let's see what you got. Um, what about Robert Smith, cargo sergeant? Um, oh, this that was interesting. This guy said his cousin was a men in black. And uh, it's talking about representative of Truman. And the AI said it was true. So this was an interesting story and i guess this guy said two men in black show up so i don't know what the guy was saying with that military looking for brazil sites with robbers oh and then they were saying they then the uh i think the sheriff was running around and the military was went after the sheriff and um well, he sent the firefighter. Remember, the, the sheriff sent the firefighter to the to the site. Out, yeah, to yeah. The site. Yeah. He wanted to know what was going on. It's so the site two. The one was forty five miles mm -hmm. away. And then the firefighter's daughter was the one that talked about um, what he him. Said he saw. His, his name was Dwyer, and what he saw when he saw the the alien bodies. But he was threatened by the government to you know get you know, go to prison for life was the thing. That was their threat. Okay. You're going to go to prison for, for life. life. Yeah. And this guy who says it was his if cousin. If you talk about it. Says his 1970s conversation. He says his, um, so he basically said this, the White House sent CIA men in black to Roswell. And then they, they said, the guy, you know, they said it was true, even though he's a second-hand information. Yeah. And then um, Jesse Marcel which is uh, Marcel's son, talked about seeing uh, hieroglyphics. They that said, was interesting. They talked about that, that yeah. I-beam, like small I-beam yeah. piece that was broken and had hieroglyphics. And in the past, we've talked about maybe this is from the future. From the future. But what are they? You know, we use symbols. We, we may be getting to that. We may be using symbols instead of words in the future because... We're all one. That's our one language. Well, yeah, it, it will be um, sort of like the, the the Chinese and Japanese kanji language. We'll just use well, symbols. You know, it's like, symbols it's already start. starting, Eileen. You, you go to start or stop your computer. Does it say on or off? No, it's got the it's got symbol with the line. Well, is, that what that, is that what that's there's for? There's a symbol with a line straight. And then there's a, there's a O and there's an O with a line in it. Does that make sense? I've never that's understood that. those symbols. I I've got trouble that with in those. my rototiller. I had to look it up to see which was on and which was off. <laughs> Your rototiller? Yeah, I, go, I honestly had to go. I had to look on. The, I had to Google it. I go, so which one? It has those two symbols. I said, well, which one of these is on, which is off? And uh, yeah, that's the state of my yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then the last thing on that show on the Roswell final verdict is they had the Sergeant Fred Benthel was an army photographer that they sent in and said to take pictures without looking. Oh, yeah in the yeah yeah that was cool and take pictures without looking from 15 feet away focus on a flashlight then took a picture without and he did an affidavit on this so this actually if you want to be be um specific about it that affidavit has significance so he did an affidavit yeah. that could be used in a court uh i like this I, my note says i like this because this is actual meat in the um uh, in the show is this guy his story about taking pictures um and then other than that they were, they talked about the uh, press release and people um you know about the process of the press release and how the guy had put it together and his superior would have had to approve it before it even went out so and that was uh well blanchard sent the guy that actually wrote it um one of the guys um dowdy dowdy yeah he wrote it blanchard wanted the blanchard wanted the credit so he had him write the press release that said oh he that wanted the, the flying saucers yeah he yeah, wanted blanchard yeah. wanted the credit so he sent 
and this the MIBs were there, and it, it the video. I don't probably may not have happened like this, but he the guys running out to send out to the stations, radio stations, and TV stations, and send the the press release because they actually have to hand carry it those days. Yeah, and he had his little briefcase, and he was going off the jeep, and they showed the two men, MIBs, you know, like yeah, running, running after, after him. him. Yeah, and then they tried to get him at the gate, and then the gate he got away. He didn't really get away. He wasn't running away. He was just going to going to do his job. Yeah, yeah. So they just missed him by a minute. In the story, it's like they just missed it, just by a minute of not having this released as a flying saucer story and killing it, and having it just contained in that area. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. You know. So and then here we are today. We don't know any more than we know then. (laughs) <laughs> and then the last thing was black holes making sound in space yeah if you haven't heard that i know you've heard it but uh, yeah it's cool it's very cool people out in podcast land it, it sounds weird i mean it's 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 a sound that's below our you know there's like dog hearing it's higher this one's actually lower Ooh, yeah. Yeah, lower yeah, than yeah. we can hear so they've enhanced it I don't know if that enhanced it makes it creepy. It sounds really creepy. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting. Yeah, but it's sound. cool. Oh, that's you know it's the sound of a black hole. Yeah. So I think that's it for today. We've um, we've hit yeah, our Artem- time. We got to talk about Artemis. When's Artemis launching? Um, twenty ninth. Oh, okay, so we got some. Oh, okay, what's so the, Monday. What's the, what's the over under on a successful mission? Over. <laughs> <laughs> 60 40 well 60, there's no 40. people on it it's no just it's a, it's an instrument package and in how many how, how many days just a few days right uh two days two days uh two days it's on uh monday i think it's i know early, but how early. long does it take to get there Two hundred thousand miles well the apollo would take three days so i don't know if i assuming it's the same thing and then they're doing some other things it should well, be. we must have been we must be able to get there faster now come on <laughs> I don't know. We can only go so fast, though, because when you get in the middle, you have to like shut, yeah. almost literally shut your engine down you because around. you'll miss. You'll yeah. miss. You got to turn you'll around. You'll miss because you're coasting. And then you got to do a braking. You know, you got to go around the back of the moon and then slingshot back out. Was, they're going to do. I remember some of the study of how this went on was cool. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be a good, good mission. And then I guess um, manned mission. Well, not this one, but in. Uh, the third flight, Artemis three, will be manned landing on the moon, and it will be a woman and a uh, person of color, or yeah, a woman person of color. So, have they selected the crew for that yet? And they, they must. must have, they must. Right? They have a. They have a class. So they. They have. I don't know what the classes are. You can go on to NASA site to look at the classes. I'm sure they have um, the the class of 20, 30 people to pick from, and they're they're probably. Know, working their butts off to be selected. I guess Bill Shatner's not going. Huh? Doesn't fit they the should send him. <laughs> they he should be in the command module the whole time. They should just have him. Just if it's big enough, just tuck him in the corner and and give him some rations yeah. and just say, "Hang out, dude." He so. only goes where no one has gone before. I don't want to phrase it improperly. He space where no one has gone before. They changed that for the new generation. Yes. Of no man, no one. Yeah, yeah. well, it's good, it good obviously is. Well, it's obviously wrong because there's women all in the enterprise too. Yes. So yes. you got to change it. Change it to what? So I never liked the. Uh, wasn't a big fan of the new show with Picard. Discovery, no, Picard. not Discovery. Oh, Discovery. You didn't like Picard? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't that it's big. Going back, last season's coming. Yeah, for that. Have you been watching that? Yeah, I watched the whole Picard. I like Picard. Picard. Is it good? You liking the show? Yeah, you haven't seen it? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it. So you yeah, think it's, it's good? Yeah, it's okay. All right, I'll have to check it out. The one I don't like is the what is the new Star Trek? Uh, Discovery. I don't like Discovery, but there's the other one. I do like the other one though too. Discovery, I didn't. Oh like. no, I know the the Final Frontier, whatever it is. Yeah, I've watched whatever. a few of those. Yeah. I'm just. I'm not, I'm I know you. You and the guy at work are like no, nah. <laughs> nah, no, nope. nope. Yeah, yeah, there's too much talking and ta- yeah. talking about your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want there's it. none of that goes on in space. Oh my god. In space you don't talk about your feelings. I don't want to see two people talking about how they feel about in something for in the hallway for ten minutes. Yeah. Oh. They needed to fill time. 
real time. You know yeah, how it that's, goes. Yeah, it's, go, it's called the bad cinema. All right. So yeah, but you know, it's um, one of those things where you know you you did see Top Gun. We have to mention that you finally saw Top yes, Gun. Yes, I did. It was good. And and you're going to give your review. What do you think? Since you're the last person on earth to see it, that's good. It's good, solid entertainment. Yeah, good movie. Good, solid entertainment. Liked it. The um, I definitely think it would be better to see it in a movie theater. I saw it on the yeah. Oh, it's good. I've seen yeah, it because of the twice. flight, the flight sequences and stuff. Yeah. So that that may come up. It may do that. But and yeah, the flight seen, the flight sequences seen, would be awesome on a big screen. And nope, you can't talk about talk about it's too new. Nope, so, nope. We can talk about it next and, week. Nope is good. And, Watch that. That just was released on streaming, and it's. Uh, Pretty good. A little slow, but you're going to watch it, and we'll talk about it next week. Nope, it's good. Awesome. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. Welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. This is on Facebook. Check us out on uh, our website, alienprobe.net. All of our episodes are listed there. We are on all podcast platforms. We're on Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. And subscribe and like, slam and smash that like button. And subscribe to YouTube, Alien Pro Podcast. Just plug in Doug Anthony right after that. That'll bring us right to the top. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. And of course, Dr. Bill. We'll see you next week. Watch the skies. And continue to watch the skies. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.